You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group. And there, you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights about today's readings with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Storm Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 286. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 66 to 72. 66. The chastisement and terror extended also to the depths of hell, where the demons felt themselves seized with new confusion and oppression for three days, just as the Jews lay on the earth for three hours. During these three days, Lucifer and his demons broke forth in fearful howlings, communicating new terror and confusion of torments to all the damned. O ineffable and powerful spirit, the Holy Church calls thee the finger of God, because thou proceedest from the Father and the Son as the finger from the arm and the body. But on this occasion it was manifested to me that thou holdest the same infinite power with the Father and the Son. Through thy sovereign presence, the heaven and the earth are moved by such opposite effects in all its inhabitants at one and the same time but they are similar to those that will happen at the last judgment. The saints and the just thou fillest with thy grace, thy gifts and thy ineffable consolations, and the impious and the proud thou chastisest and overwhelmest with confusion and pain. Truly I see here fulfilled what thou sayest through the mouth of David, that thou art a God of vengeance, and workest freely, dealing out retribution to the wicked, in order that they may not glory in their unjust malice, nor say in their heart that thou failest in perception or judgment while reproving and chastising their sins. Psalm 93.1 67. Let the insipid of this world then understand and let the foolish be warned that the Most High knows the vain thoughts of men, that if he is liberal and most kind to the just, he is also rigid in punishing the impious and the wicked. Psalm 93.11 It was befitting that the Holy Ghost should show himself to be the one as well as the other on this occasion. For he proceeded from the incarnate word, who had assumed human nature for the sake of men who had died for their salvation and had suffered ignominies and torments without opening his mouth or seeking retribution for those insults and offenses. In coming down into this world, it was just that the Spirit should be zealous for the honor of that same incarnate word. Though he did not punish all his enemies, yet he indicated in the punishment of the most wicked what all the others deserved, who in their stubborn 
perfidy had despised him. If, by the respite allowed them, they did not return to truth in heartfelt penance. It was also befitting that the few who had received the word and had followed him as their master and redeemer, and those who were to preach his faith and doctrine, be rewarded and furnished with the proper means for establishing the church and the evangelical law. The apostle says that leaving one's father and mother and uniting oneself with a wife, as also Moses had said, is a great sacrament in Christ and the church. Genesis 2.24, Ephesians 5.32 Because he descended from the bosom of the Father in order to unite himself with it in his humanity. Since then, Christ came down from heaven in order to be with his spouse, the church. It follows that the Holy Ghost came down on account of the Most Holy Mary, who is not less his spouse than Christ was of the church, and who is not less beloved by him than the church was beloved of Christ. Instruction which the great Queen of Heaven and Our Lady gave me. 68. My daughter, in small esteem and thankfulness do the children of the church hold this blessing of the Most High, by which, in addition to sending of his Son as their Master and Redeemer, he sent also the Holy Ghost into the church. So great was the love by which he sought to draw them to himself, that in order to make them shares of his divine perfections, he sent them first the Son, who is wisdom, John 3.16, and afterwards the Holy Ghost, who is love, so that all might be enriched in the manner in which they were capable. The Divine Spirit, in coming for the first time upon the apostles and the others gathered with them, intended it as a pledge and testimony that he would confer the same favor on the rest of the children of the church, of light and of the gospel, and that he was ready to communicate his gifts to all, if all will dispose themselves toward receiving them. In witness to this truth, the Holy Ghost came upon many of the faithful in visible form and with visible effects. Acts 8.17, 10.44, Because they were truly faithful servants, humble and sincere, pure and ready of heart to receive him. Also in our times he comes to many just souls, although not with such open manifestations, because it is neither necessary nor proper. The interior effects and gifts are all of the same nature, acting according to the disposition state of the one who receives them. 69. Blessed is the soul which sighs and aspires after this blessing, and seeks to participate in this divine fire, which enkindles, enlightens, and consumes all that is terrestrial and carnal, which purifies and raises it up to a new existence, union, and participation with God himself. This happiness is thy true and loving mother I desire for thee, my daughter, and in order that thou mayest attain it in all its fullness, I again exhort thee to prepare thy heart by seeking to preserve inviolable tranquility and peace in all that may happen to thee. The divine clemency wishes to raise thee to a habitation very exalted and secure, where the torments of thy spirit shall come to an end, and whither the assaults neither of the world nor of hell can reach, where in thy own repose the Lord shall rest and find in thee a worthy dwelling place and a temple of his glory. Thou shalt not escape the attacks and temptations directed against thee by the dragon with the most cunning astuteness, but do thou live in continued weariness, lest thou be disturbed or disquieted in the interior of thy soul. Guard thy treasures in secret. Enjoy the delights of the Lord, the sweet effects of his chaste love, the infulgences of his holy science. For in this regard he has singled thee out from many generations in utmost liberality.
70. Take heed, then, of thy calling, and assure thyself that the Most High offers thee anew the participation and communication of his divine spirit and his gifts. Remember, however, that when he confers them, he does not take away the freedom of thy will, for he ever leaves the election of good or evil to its free arbitrament. Hence, trusting the divine favor, thou must efficaciously resolve to imitate me in the work shown to thee of my life, and thou must never hinder the effects and the operations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In order that thou mayest understand better this, my doctrine, I will explain to thee the effects of all his seven gifts. 71. The first one, which is the gift of wisdom, fills the mind with the knowledge and the delight of divine things, and moves the heart to a sincere love toward the practice and exercise of all that is good, all that is best, most perfect and agreeable in the eyes of the Lord. With this impulse thou must concur, yielding thyself entirely to the pleasure of his divine will, and despising all that might hinder thee, no matter how pleasant it may seem to thy inclinations or alluring to thy appetite. Wisdom is aided by the second gift, that of intellect, which gives special light to penetrate profoundly into the object presented to the understanding. With this gift thou must cooperate by diverting and turning aside thy attention and thoughts from all the bastard and foreign objects of knowledge, which the demon, either by himself or through other creatures, shall present to thy mind, in order to distract it and prevent it from the penetrating deeply into the truth of divine things. This kind of distraction greatly embarrasses the mind, for the two kinds of knowledge are incompatible with each other. And whenever the limited faculties of man are divided into their attention to many objects, they enter into them less and attend less than if all their operations were riveted on one alone. In this is evident the truth of what the gospel says, that no one can serve two masters. Matthew 6.24 when the whole attention of the soul has thus been riveted on understanding the good, fortitude, the third gift, is necessary in order to execute resolutely all that the understanding has perceived as most holy, perfect, and agreeable before the Lord. The difficulties and hindrances in the pursuit of the good are to be overcome by fortitude, making the creature ready to suffer whatever labor or pain, in order not to be deprived of the true and highest good it has come to know. 72. But it often happens that natural ignorance and doubt added to temptation withhold the creature from following out the conclusions and consequences of the divine truth, and thus create hindrances in the execution of what is more perfect. Hence, against the false prudence of the flesh, God furnishes the fourth gift, that of science, which gives light to distinguish between different kinds of good, teaches the most certain and secure way, and decides upon it when necessary. To this is joined the gift of piety, the fifth, which inclines the soul with sweet urgency to all that is truly pleasing and acceptable to the Lord, and to what is of real spiritual benefit to one executing it. It inclines the creature to these things, not through the natural passions, but by holy, perfect, and virtuous motives. Then, in order that man may be guided by high prudence, the sixth gift, that of counsel, supports his understanding in order that he may act with precision and without temerity, weighing the means and taking counsel with himself and with others discreetly, for gaining honest and holy ends by the selection of the proper means. To all these is added fear, the last, which guards and sets the seal upon all of them. This gift inclines the heart to fly and avoid all that is imperfect, dangerous or alien to the virtues and perfections of the soul, thus serving as a wall of defense. 
It is necessary to understand the object and the manner of this holy fear, lest it grow excessive and cause the creature to fear where there is no occasion. Such has often happened to thee through the astuteness of the serpent, when under guise of holy fear the devil entangled thee in an inordinate liking for the blessings of the Lord. But by this instruction thou art now informed how thou must exercise in thee the gifts of the Most High, and prepare thyself for them. I remind and admonish thee that this science of holy fear is the accompaniment of the favors communicated to thee by the Most High, and that it fills the soul with sweetness, peace, and tranquility, and enables the creature properly to estimate and appreciate the gifts which come from the powerful hand of the Almighty. Neither are any of them unimportant, nor does this fear hinder a proper estimate of these gifts. It induces the soul to give thanks with all its powers, and to humiliate itself to the dust. And understanding these truths without error, and in suppressing the cowardly fear of slaves, thou shalt be filled with filial fear, which, as thy guiding star, will help thee to navigate securely in this ocean of tears. This concludes our reading today for day number 286. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 5, Paragraphs 66 to 72. The instruction of Our Lady today is quite beautiful as it ends with an explanation of the sevenfold gifts of the Holy Spirit, those that revolve around the intellect and the will. And I must say that reading those two paragraphs, 71 and 72, were some of the most beautiful descriptions of these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I've taught confirmation classes now for many years, my entire priesthood, and I haven't come across definitions and explanations so beautiful. You might wish to go back and re-listen to them, and as you listen or read again these gifts of the Holy Spirit, just be mindful of which one you need most in your life. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, the opening of our instruction today said, My daughter, in small esteem and thankfulness to the children of the church, hold this blessing of the Most High, by which in addition to sending of his Son as their Master and Redeemer, he sent also the Holy Ghost into his church. In small esteem and thankfulness. Well, let's have a big esteem and thankfulness. Let us make up for what is lacking in the body of Christ of esteem and thankfulness for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life and thank the Holy Spirit for coming to dwell with you and to guide you and to help you. Be thankful for the times in which the Holy Spirit has indeed manifested his power and grandeur in your life. Just as we heard and witnessed this truth, the Holy Ghost came upon many of the faithful in visible form and with visible effects. And then three citations from the Acts of the Apostles. The Holy Spirit was alive in the early church, and the Holy Spirit is alive today and also in your life. And when we become aware of the working of the Holy Spirit, when we know the gifts that the Holy Spirit has brought us, well, indeed, then we will highly esteem and be thankful for this gift of God, the very gift of God to each one of us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.